We have misplaced, uh, we've pl- misplaced lordship to the Lord Jesus. We've got a lot of other priorities that push Jesus out of our thinking every day. And uh, we went through uh, all the scriptures that, that uh, pertain to this, the fact that we're called to be his witness. We're commanded to be his witness. We're commissioned to be his witness. And if we're not telling other people about what in the world is the church doing? Because we have got to go out and tell somebody. And it's, it's your job to do that. We talked about, we went on Sunday night, each of us wrote out our testimony. I mean, how many people, you, and I'm not even going to ask you to raise your hand because I know you're not going to do it. But anyway... <laughs> How many, you know, how, I, I mean, I, I was just blessed by the sound of pencil on paper because so many people were actually writing their testimony, and I bet you a lot of them wrote it out for the very first time. And you know what? And I told you that's just the first case. You need to be taking that thing and working on it and kind of massaging it and get it and get it where it's stuck in your brain so that you can deliver that in 30 seconds or five minutes or two hours, whatever the circumstance comes up with. We talked about, we talked about overcoming fear. We talked about the fact that we had to, we had to, we had to know that everybody's afraid. I told you all the men in the Bible that said that they were afraid. But you know, and I have done a study on those two, afraid and fear, afraid and fear. They mean the same thing. And God tells us to fear not, but then everybody talks about they're afraid. Well, you can be afraid until you fear so bad that you don't do what you're going to do. What God has told you to do, you need to go ahead and do, even though you're afraid. And see, that's, that's the mark, not that you're not afraid, that you don't let the fear from doing what God's told you to do. And it is a fearful thing when you first start trying to tell you, give your, t- well, no, 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 I don't, I don't think that's so. When I got saved, now I've been in church all my life and I knew absolutely nothing about the Bible. I went to a Sunday school class, now my mother is a Sunday school teacher of the women's class, and my daddy is a deacon, and I went to Sunday school, and one of the ladies that taught my, my mother taught her in Sunday school, and I got saved. She looked at me and says, Steve, tell the class what the gospel is. And I went, I don't know. And I was serious as a heart attack. I didn't know. I didn't know that there was one bit of information that the the whole world revolves around. I didn't know that there was one body of truth that without this in our lives, our lives are meaningless puzzles with pieces missing. And you know what? In that class, I learned what the gospel was. And And you know what? When I first got saved... I didn't know heaven, hell, up or down, Jew, Catholic. I didn't know any of that stuff. But I know God came into my life, and I wanted to tell everybody I could. I never will forget. Uh, I had some, well, these are guys that I did some crazy things with. They were my employees. 
And then all of a sudden, I come in and I tell them I've changed. I'm not going that way anymore. And you know what? I didn't know how to witness. But you know what? I knew the truth was in the Bible. So I had two guys I picked up on the way to work. We were working down on the Chattahoochee River down in Georgia. And I'd stop and, I'm, and I would take my Bible and I would put it in the passenger seat of the truck. And when he got out, when he got in the truck, he had to pick that sucker up and hold it in his hand. And I figured by osmosis it was going to get him. You know what? <laughs> and he would take it and he would put it up on the dash. Well, we'd stop and pick up the next guy. And I'd slip it off the dash and put it back between us. And then he'd slide over and put it up the dash. And then I'd take it up the dash and set where the next guy's going to sit. And you know what? And that was my plan for witnessing. And the third guy that got in is a Baptist preacher today. Skinny Meadows is his name. And Skinny, you know, and Skinny was probably, <laughs> he's like me, he was a very slim candidate for salvation and ministry, okay? <laughs> but you know what? I was just doing all that I knew to do. But you know what? God honored that. And that's all God's asking you to do. He's not asking you to save anybody. He's just asking that you do your part. And our part is simply Telling what happened to us. We've made it so hard. We've, we've put, you got to memorize this. You got to memorize that. You got to memorize all these verses. Please, dear God, know that I want you to memorize every verse you can. You know what? But the, your testimony is simply what has happened to you. The yellow car ran the red light and hit the blue car. Right? You don't have to prove it in court. You don't have to defend the case. You don't have to judge the case. Let me tell you something. All you got to do is tell what happened. What my life was before Jesus, what happened when Jesus came in, and what my life is like after he came in. Okay? Now, you know, need to know a lot of different versions. We talked about overcoming fear, and then uh, we're talking, and we talked about developing your uh, testimony. And tonight, I think maybe, tonight and tomorrow night are the two most important nights. And the one that, in fact, we're, tonight we're going to take uh, and we're going to talk about practical ways to create opportunities to give your testimony. Okay? And see, that's what we need to be doing. I talked about the fact, you know, we've got a, uh, do we have, do we have, is there a prayer, prayer chain in the church? Okay, got one? Okay, why not a share chain? See, when it, you know, we talked about developing the Sunday school and all your classes so that you're focused on that kind of thing and the fact that, you know, when, when anybody, I'm getting ahead of myself here, but I'll go ahead. If anybody in here shares your faith, everybody in here needs to know about it. Now, I'm not talking you list the name of the person, you're the you know, the person you witness to and, you know, rate them 10 to 1 on how much of a heathen they were and call them out in public, the fact that you know they're lost. No. But, you know, I had a chance to share with this guy at work, 
And he, you know, he said this, 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 and I said this, 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 and then I thought to ask him that, and then look this, and he asked me, and then I was able to share the gospel, and you know what? He didn't receive the gospel, but he heard the gospel. So I have testified, I've given my testimony, and to God be the glory for whatever comes out. We've got to get out of this win them mortality, uh, the mental state. Yeah, I tell you what, I led 50 people to Jesus. You know, put a notch in my gun here, got one here, and put it in your holster, and you think about what a great job you've done. No. You don't do the saving. You just do the testifying. And that's all you can do. And when you've done that, you don't have to worry about anything else. You might have to worry about following up behind and, you know, keep working on the person and that kind of thing. But when you've shared the gospel, you've, you've done what God asked you to do. It's just that simple. Uh, tonight, we're going to start out by the fact that, that uh, in your, giving your testimony, you're going to be in very different situations, and you're going to be uh, in very different circumstances. And so as you have written your testimony, then you need to have a long version of your testimony, a mid, mid version of your testimony, and then you need a little bit of short version of your testimony. If you're on an airplane and it is plumbing to the, plummeting to the ground to crash, I would suggest a short version. <laughs> you ain't got long. You know, but, and you know what, if you, I mean, if you're, and it, see, people, it, ne it never amazes me. When you take people on a mission trip and they get on the airplane, they think it is their responsibility to witness to the guy next to them. They don't know him from Adam, but they're going, and that's good. But there's other times you should share faith too, you know, not only on the airplane going on a mission trip. But anyway, uh, but you, you've got to be able to know your testimony and then adapt it to fit all kind of different situations, all different kind of circumstances. And so, you, like I said, you need wrote your testimony before, praise God, and then you need to continue to work on that. We're going to do a real, real short version tonight. And I want you just to take about two minutes to write these versions. But, you know, um, before we do this, you know, uh, I've been asking you to share your testimony. And we haven't had an overwhelming response to that yet. <laughs> so I don't want you to tell me your testimony, but did anybody, here's the mic again, Turn it on. We got a green light. I'm ready. Anybody here would like to tell how they shared their testimony today and, uh, and how it went and how you got started and all that kind of thing? <laughs> now, folks, I love you with all my heart. And I, I also told Pastor Dick, my commitment in you learning this material is not based on when I get through on Thursday night. My commitment to you is till Jesus comes or I die. And there's follow-up material to this, and there's all kinds of things we can do. And you know what? My commitment to you is just helping you get to, to see what God wants to do in this church. Y'all know that I was on staff at First Baptist Woodstock. And about two years into 
Johnny Hunt's ministry there. We were having about, we were at 250 when he came, and by that time we were up to about 700. 700. We had a revival, and a man of God preached the word of God, and Johnny Hunt did not, did not apologize for him preaching the word. And out of the seven people we had coming on Sunday morning, 462 people made decisions. 462. Now, let me tell you, now, some of these people, you know, just prayed for a deeper commitment. Some people, maybe they were saved, but they prayed for the assurance, and a bunch of people got saved. And if you get 462 out of 700 people right with God, you got some. And Sunday, they'll have about 12,000 there. And you know what? I mean, we saw, we had a guy that called, he called the office and uh, he, he called the associate pastor. He says, he said, Donald, you need to come over here and lead me to God. And Donald says, man, you, we could be in church in 45 minutes. Why don't you just wait? Your church? He said, no, 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 no. You don't understand. I was coming home from work and God said, if I didn't get saved today, he was going to kill me. And I'm not leaving this house. I'm not getting on the highway till I give my heart to Jesus. And we, kept, we went in the house and sat down in the den. And he came out crawling on his knees and gave his heart to Christ. There were people in the church that were crawling down the aisles to get to the altar. And they were under conviction. And they had need of a Savior and you know what? They got saved. And then, and then, and, and, and Johnny Hunt is a man that will tell you that the reason you're on this planet is to witness. He said, if I come to this church, this is what we're going to do. If you don't want that, you better not call me. Because I'm telling you in advance, we're going to do evangelism. And he came and people tried to get him to do all kind of stuff. And he went, no. I told you. <laughs> He's been there 25 years now, doing a great job. The thing we need to do is right now what we're going to do, nobody's, nobody's wanting to st stand up, but guys, I love you with all my heart, but let me tell you something. If you can't stand up in your church, surrounded by your friends, give your testimony, amen. Got one right there? Yes, sir. I do. Praise God, brother. <laughs> Here we go. Now, I'm, I'm going to do something a little different. Okay? Oh, I, okay. Come, you come back down here. Okay. <laughs> I'm an I'm a Oakley, okay? okay? I'm related. I'm related to most people in this church. And I want to show you just how many people I'm related to. Okay. Brooks's, Bose's. Carver's, Clayton's, Harris's, Oakley's, Painter's. If you are one of those or married one of those, or your mother was one, would you mind standing up for just a minute? Holy cow. <laughs> now, if you let me mess up, you got to go through all them people. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> 
So, here uh, we go. Let's say a little prayer. Okay? Amen. Our gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you. We humble to be in your presence tonight. And we pray, Lord, you'll guide us and direct us and use us to spread your word. We thank you for this church. We thank you for the church members. We thank you for the gifts. We thank you for the word, Lord. And we pray that you will use each of us in our own way to go forth and do that we Forgive us of our sins, O Lord, and have mercy on our souls. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Now, have you seen all those people? That, can y'all hear me in the back? Yeah. I don't need that. Okay. <laughs> uh, I'm a prophet, and I've never done this before, okay? But we live on City Lake Road. Uh, my mom and dad, and, and they had a total of eight children, and one died as an infant. And I had a brother that was 10 years older than I was, and my youngest sister was five years younger than I was. She was born on December the 14th in 1959, on December the 16th, 1960. I was at the age of seven. She was two days, one year and two days old. My dad died of a heart attack. Now, you know, it was a bad thing, and I had a wonderful woman that I called my mother. Because she kept all seven children together. She was tough. And you didn't mess up. You mess up, but you didn't let her know about it. Okay? <laughs> all right? And I'm probably not the best person in the world, but I've tried to be good. Okay? Now, after high school, I married that sweet young lady on the back row, and uh, and I had two children. And I guess the oldest that's sitting up here that's playing the piano for us tonight is uh, was about seven years old. I had been sick for two weeks. Okay, been to the doctor three times. Couldn't figure out what the problem was. The last time I went, the my mom told me she was a practical nurse. She said, you tell that doctor you got appendicitis. Well, I've been sick for two weeks. And I told the doctor what she said. I said, doc, my mom said I got appendicitis. And that doctor looked down at me and said, what medical school did your mom graduate from? So that kind of cut that off. Uh, the next day I worked and followed the doctor's orders. And we won't go into that. 
But that night, that Wednesday night, about 1 o'clock I woke up, and I was swollen so much that I was missing maybe three or four inches from hooking my, from snapping the pants. So I, I woke my wife up and I told her, I said, we got to go to the, we got to go to the emergency room. Something's wrong. Went to the emergency room and the next day I had surgery. And for the two weeks that I've been sick, I had a, I had a ruptured appendix. Well, you don't think much of it. Uh, you know, you do what you got to do. But the deal was, I'm laying in the hospital bed after the surgery, and the doctor comes in and leans up against the wall, and I kind of, you know, I'm looking at him because he still got on his clothes, and I, I kind of recognize that blood that he's got on his garment, and he just stood there. I couldn't figure him out. I said, you know, even with the tubes and, and all that, I turned to him and I said, Doc, what, what do you want? He said, I just want to, I just want to see you. So what do you mean you want to see me? He said, I want to see what you look like. He said, I just, I just operated on you and you should have died last week. There's no medical reason for you to be here today. Well, when a doctor tells you that you should have died last week, you kind of straighten your act up. Okay? And I stayed in the hospital for nine days, and that doctor, the, the second thing he told me was, and I got some more news for you because of all those antibiotics that I got pumping into you don't work. We got to go back in the operating room. And I got to remove probably one third of everything you got. So, praise the Lord. This is what he told me. The last thing he said to me before I walked out. He said, I'm going to tell you one more time. You should have died last week. And the only reason you're here today is, is God has got a plan for you. He said, I don't know what it is, but he's got a plan for you. So you learn quickly. And sometimes we wait too late. Don't wait too late. Don't wait until that heart attack comes or some other medical condition that takes you out too quick. Spread the word. If you're not saved, we got the people here to do it. Okay? Because all you got to do is ask for forgiveness. Amen. God bless you. Praise God, praise God, praise God. <laughs> Woo! Anybody else want to stand up? I'm, I am no longer excited about uh, looking at the clock, okay? <laughs> we'll stay here as long as we want, okay? But that's what it's all about, guys. God is in the saving business. Amen. 
And we need to be about our job, which is to tell people what has happened to us. Now, like I said, if you have your pencils and your paper here tonight, I would just, and if you don't have it, just think about it. But think about a very short version of what, what, you, what was happening in your life before you met Christ. What was your circumstances? What were you thinking? Uh, what was your mind? You know, what was your mindset? What was going? Were you alone? Were you uh, depressed? Uh, were you, you know, have no sense of uh, of purpose or power or direction in your life? Write those things down, and then exactly, you know, the circumstances and and that that part, the middle part. So take two minutes, three minutes at most, and write those down. Think about them, and uh, we'll move on to the next part. Okay, good. <laughs> I, um, can y'all hear me? Microphone. All right. I'm Jamie Wesley, so I'm Brad's wife. And we know a lot of people here in the community, and I don't know if everybody knows mine and Brad's story. So, And I've got to go pick Julia up from dance, so I'm, I'm scared of sliding out the back door, and everybody think I'm running away. But I... I wholeheartedly agree that if somebody asks you to stand up and say what God's been doing in your life, you should take that opportunity to talk about it. So I'm going to try, but you can tell I'm real nervous. In um, 2003, Brad and I had been married for a few years, and we, were, we, we got pregnant with Jackson right here, the drummer. Jackson's 14 now, but Brad and I both were naive enough to think we would start going to church because we had a new baby. You know, the baby needed to go to church. Not Brad and I. I um, I've been raised in church all my life, and I'm sure Brad went a lot too. But we had no idea what we were, what we were getting into, or what we truly needed. Um, so we went, and in 2004, we were both proud to say that we walked that aisle and we were saved. Amen. Yeah, it was great. We, uh, it was a big change in our hearts and our lives, but we were going to church on Sunday mornings and just kind of being good people. We weren't fully invested. We, uh, we were just doing the good part and going to church, smiling, shaking hands, but we were not serving people in our best capacity. We, uh, we were busy. We work a lot, and uh, we didn't have a whole lot of time, right? Priorities. We were young, had a new child. So Jackson was about three, and we had a little girl, Julia. She's the one that danced. I'm about to cry. I'm starting to tell you about it now. But whew, a lot of our church knows our story. When Brad introduced himself, he introduced the band, but he didn't say he's, he's also the pastor of our church. We have a church plant here in Person County. That's where the story goes, right? Mm-hmm. But we went out to eat. We were at the beach. We were at Myrtle Beach, and I... Uh, Jimmy and Portia, we were at Angelo's eating a good steak. We were in the back parking lot, and it was Brad and I and Jackson and Julia. Lord, help me get through it. We were having the best time. It had been the best day. Cody, y'all pray for me. But Brad and Jackson, they, they ate a peppermint, just them little... You know, the peppermints you get with the ticket. And Julia, she, she little bitty thing, well, she didn't understand why she couldn't have a peppermint. So we let her have one, too. 
we're walking out to the parking lot, and y'all just imagine the four of us walking out holding hands. It'd been a great day. And she laughed at her daddy. She sucked that peppermint up in her windpipe. And you would think, don't worry, we'll get it out. You know, we were in the back of the parking lot. Nobody was around. Brad's got her. He's holding her tight, and he's hitting her back, and he's shaking her, and he's trying to stick his fingers, everything we'd been taught to do, you know, but nothing was working. I'm on the phone with 911, and you guys just picture a, I wish you could see her. She's really beautiful. She's just staring at us. Her lips are purple, and she wasn't blinking. She couldn't even cough. That's how stuck it was. She couldn't cry. She could just stare at me and her dad. We couldn't do a thing. The most desperate, lost, heart-wrenching feeling you'd ever have. And you know, not in one moment had Brad and I thought, stop and pray. Not one time. We were good people, but we were not fully committed. I was on the phone with 911. They were asking me questions like, what's her name? How old is she? I'm not saying nothing about dispatchers because God bless them, but that's not what was helping me. (laughs) Brad hadn't even let me have a turn holding our baby. There was several people around, and I can tell you even to this day what they looked like, what clothes they were wearing, what they said to us, what advice they gave. He didn't let none of them touch her. This lady walks up, and she didn't talk to Brad, and she just holds her hands out, and he hands our baby over to this lady. She was so gently turned her over, and she pats her on her back, and immediately Julia starts to cry and cough. It fell out. Amen. Yeah. Amen. Her color started returning. It was a quick story, but I can tell you all sitting here, it seemed like an eternity to me and Brad, to Jackson. When the crowd died down a little bit and 911 hangs up, Brad and I want to thank this lady, and we turn to her. We just want to know, how'd you do that? Thank you for saving our baby. She was gone. (laughs) She wasn't anywhere to be found. Jimmy, I turned that parking lot, and I ran all the way around the building. Couldn't find her anywhere. I looked, and I looked. Why wouldn't she stay and let me thank her, ask me Julia's name or how it happened, or give me advice for if it ever happened again? We knew immediately why. It was Jesus Christ. He came. He sent that angel. He, he grabbed us right where he needed to. We got to the car. All four of us stopped right where we were, and we prayed. I told you all I can tell you what the crowd looked like, what they were wearing. I can't tell you anything about this lady. I don't know what she looked like. I don't know what she said. She had a gold cross around her neck. And I know that God made that part significant to me so I would know exactly where my blessing had just come from. We spent the rest of the night calling. We called Brad's family. We called my family. We told everybody we knew. God just came to us right where we were. From that point on, like you said, couldn't stop talking about it. 
God just reached us. But we made a promise in the car that day. Brad said, Jamie, I'm going to start serving the Lord with 200% of what I have. And most of y'all in the community know Brad. You know how busy he is. Julia is 11 years old now. We serve every day. God comes first. Everything comes after. But if I had the blessings to tell you what has come since, (laughs) man, all the glory goes to him. Amen. Jackson and Julia know God. Our family loves God. God's enhanced our family. We've got a church family full of people, a church plant. We didn't know where this thing was going, but it's still taking off, so y'all pray for us. We're right here in your community. But I couldn't wait to tell you what God's doing in Amen. our life. Glory! Glory! Praise be to the Lamb of God. Praise God. I knew where she was going. I knew who was going to show up. I really did. I had a friend whose wife was in a head-on collision, and she had what they call the dead man's uh, break in her neck. When you're hung, your neck is clicked, and there's one bone in there that breaks and shuts off your nerves. And that's the reason you die from hanging. It's not choking to death. It's because you're nerve. And and, uh, as soon as the cars hit, there was a lady that came by the car and reached in through the broken window and grabbed her around the neck and held her just like that until the EMTs got there with one of those braces that you put around your neck. And uh, the EMTs took over like that, and the lady just disappeared. You know, I talked about God showing up in your business and doing things you can't understand or explain. And that's what the Christian life, he said, we're supposed to have a life that's full and abundant. Is your life full and abundant? If not, you're not doing it right. Because he will give us everything we need. Okay. Praise God for that testimony. I did reframe and I didn't run around the building, but I am ready to if anything else happens. All right. So take just two minutes and think about your testimony. and Think about uh, a short version of your testimony that you could give just in a few, you know, just in passing. Hey, you know, uh, this is what I was thinking before I got saved. What your situation was, what you were thinking, and how you felt. Okay, now this is just the pro- this is part of the process of massaging your testimony and working on it and thinking about it, coming up with long versions, short versions, that kind of thing. Then the next thing we do is we talked about your experience uh, when you came to Christ. Now this is the thing that, that is so vitally important in that. You can tell people all about you and all about what's going on with you, and, but you 
what? If you don't include the gospel in your presentation of your testimony, you have not given them the gospel which has its own power. Yes, they might listen to your testimony and won't get saved, but you put the gospel in there. Let me tell you something. The gospel has power to convict. The gospel has its own power to save. And so when you're sharing your testimony, you need to include the fact that Jesus was, was born, that he lived a perfect life, he died a sacrificial death, and he was raised from the dead. And he was killed, he was, he was crucified, his blood was shed to pay for our sin. And that needs to go in there. So more important than anything else, you say, well, this is how, tell them where you got saved and how you got saved. But tell them about the fact that Jesus did the saving. It was his work that was completed. And, and uh, just remember the second part always has to have the gospel in there. Always improving. And you're not ashamed of the power of God. That's his salvation. The gospel has its own power. And then my life since I became a Christian. The next part of this lesson is taught, I really think it's one of the most important lessons because it talks about practical application and practical tips, maybe not to, not to share your, the gospel, but to come into a person's life and look for ways to get into their life so that you can share the gospel, okay? That's very important. I mean, like I told you, you know, people come to me, bless God if you don't Get saved, you're going straight to hell. And I'd say, if I got to go with you with that attitude, I ain't interested. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> I, I talked about Paul's testimony and the be nice part of it. You know, you do this with love because you love them. And because you love God, then you love to share your testimony. And uh, we all have uh, learned about sharing their testimony. Different methods, that kind of style. But, um, and I told you that we've got to create these networks within the church and a, a system that we all keep up with our contacts. We all come up, we all keep up with our prospects, that we keep up, keep up with the people that we witness to. And you know what? You say, well, I, we, I, that keep up and counting all that stuff. Let me tell you something. If you, if you don't count, you don't know what's going on. You know, when they put those boards up on the church wall and told you what the offering was and how many people in Sunday school and everything, you know what? Everybody knew. They knew how they were doing. It was on the wall. And see, and then if you don't know what your, the tendencies are in your numbers and as they, they move around, then, you've got, then you know better how what's working and what's not working. And so you've got to be able to track and this is what's so important. We've got to help each other learn how to witness. What works and what doesn't work. What I tried and what you tried. And you see, and all that, the Holy Spirit will take all that information and he'll put it in your heart. And then when you need it, boom, it'll come out. Either even... Your testimony, what a testimony, and 
shared the gospel tonight. That was good, both times. We've got to learn to encourage each other. You know, we studied in the, the lesson on hell about, uh, no, about, about witnessing about the fact that, you know, before, when you got saved, and after you got saved. I've gotten ahead of myself, so I'm having to go through some of these notes. The problem is, how do you get the ball rolling? This is the most difficult part of sharing your faith, and, and, that's the one, and it's, it's unknown territory. If you've ever not, never done it before, then, you know, then it, it's something you need to work on. And just ask God that you will, you may be afraid, but you won't have fear, and that uh, the proper fear of God casts out all other fear. So you don't have to worry about if you're, if you're doing what God told you to do. All right, let me go find here. Uh, where I need to be. Here's things that I ask people just to start the conversation. You know, you're talking with them and you're talking, oh yeah, we, we didn't talk about, you know, let me talk about this first. We were talking at the women's supper tonight, which was delicious. And there were some men that came and all the men that came were sitting at one table, and we were talking about how much we now used to, kind of, because we're all getting older, but, you know, how much we used to love to hunt and fish. I mean, you go to work two hours early so you could get off two hours early so you could be fishing before it got dark. And on the weekends, you'd be hunting on Saturday all day, you know, and you would hunt, and then you'd go home, and, uh, you know, and we just were ob obsessed with hunting. I was. I was just, a, I, I had a bird dog, and I, you know, I had a fishing boat, and I mean, I had a little John boat. I didn't have one of those monster killer things they have now, but, but, but I, I just fished small ponds around there, and you know what? I was obsessed with fishing and hunting. And there's no doubt about it, okay? Now, I was saved. But you know what? My obsession was hunting fishing. When my obsession should have been the things of God. Sharing my faith. Making sure other people were going to heaven. Giving everybody an opportunity. And I thought about it this way. I thought about, you know what, if, if Roxboro was to have a little league baseball team and they won the state championship and they went to the region championship and then they got made it out to Oklahoma in the World Series of Little League Baseball. Can you imagine what this community would be like? I mean, everybody would be wearing a hat and a shirt and they would be put, you know, putting signs on their car and they'd be radio ads and television ads, and man, every time those boys played ball, people were glued to the television, and they were focused on the, those young people from your community that were doing such a great job. Is that right? Yes, it is. Do you know that our desire to do the things of God should be exactly like that? 
We've got so much stuff going on in our lives, and this is a busy time in this world, and we've got so much going on in our lives that we don't even have time to think about what we're really supposed to do. I, I told you when I start thinking, it gets real dangerous. But I was trying to think of a word picture that I could use to describe it. And it's like, uh, have you ever seen a person that really liked to chew gum? I mean, really, I saw one tonight, and I won't point at, I point at him, but <laughs> this guy, he loves to chew gum. And when you're watching him chew like that, and you just chew and chew and chew and loving every minute out, you're going, oh, I want some of that chewing, you know, and then you're, you're just saying, mm, that's got to be the best stuff in the world. But see, to concentrate on your task of doing what God told you to do from his word about witnessing, it ought to become your mental chewing gum. Or better yet, your mental bubble gum. And you're walking in the grocery store and you're chewing that thing and you're going, hmm, I think I can maybe talk to that person. Hey, how you doing? God bless your heart. I'm glad to see you today. And then, oh, and then, and then the guy will ignore you and you won't punch him out. But anyway, but you're still chewing and you're just having such a big time and you're just looking everywhere for somebody. And then the bubble part comes with something where you get somebody to stop and you get to blow a big old bubble and pop the gospel right on it. <laughs> I bet they don't teach that in seminary. <laughs> but that's what it ought to be. You ought to spend every moment massaging the idea that you need to witness to somebody. To working on a plan to share with somebody. And you need to just, that needs to be your spiritual chewing gum is the fact that you need to be telling people about Jesus. Last week we we asked that you uh, uh, you know that you witness uh, to your friends and people you know. There's a lot of people that don't know. We ask that you ask your uh, uh, friends to pray for you. But the main thing is, is and I talked about, but you know, we need to have a reverential fear for God that we're not doing what he wants us to do. And so you talk about fear, we talk about fear. If you fear God, there's nothing else to fear. Amen. And uh, I talked about the fact that I'd been looking for information and, and I had a, a, a nice lady that gave me a book on fear. So that's my start. But you know, we don't need to fear anybody. We just need Responder, you know, be the person there that you be the first one to tell them, hello, how are you doing? Uh, they, you need, they need to be the first one that they, you know, you, everybody goes, boy, it's a beautiful day. Don't ever say that again. Say, look at the day this Lord, the Lord has made. Did you share the gospel? No. Did you open up a door for, a, for a, a testimony to start? Yes, you did. You see what I'm saying? 
Knowing the gospel and how to share the talk, that's very important. But it's also that you, and that's what you've got to share in the church is, you know, you tell what happened to you and somebody says, oh, I, I never thought of that. I, I might try that. And, you know, and you're working and you're reciting that gum and you're helping each other learn to share the gospel. Uh, there's a lot of ways, things you need to do. You need, uh, this is hard. A lot of times, but a lot of times you need to listen rather than talk. I know that's hard for most of us. But you know what? You need to be listening. Basically, you need to be eavesdropping, okay? Let's just call it what it is. You need to be listening what other people are talking about. Are they retired? Are they divorced? Have they been through sickness? Uh, you know... Where do they live? What do they do for a living? All those kind of things. And you're looking for something that you have in common with them or something that you think maybe you could even talk intelligently about. And you're talking about, you know, you've got, the, and you're listening, you know, did they lose a job? Have they got rebellious children? Have they been through a divorce? Uh, if they start talking about sports, you know, what are they interested in that you might have in common? And you're listening to him, and you're listening for experience that you, experiences that you might have in common with them. And if you have those common experiences, then you have a common point of talk. And you can start the talk as a way to introduce the gospel, okay? You're, you're using all this stuff. I mean, you know, when I was down in Florida, you know, was it, do you live here full time? From what country in the north did you come from? You know what I'm saying? <laughs> what foreign entity sent you here to mess up our Florida? But anyway, and you ask them, you know, what did you do for a living before you retired? And you're asking them all these questions and they're giving you answers and they're glad to give them. But you know what? You're just collecting info to look for a crack to introduce the gospel. You need to listen for experience like yours. The next thing you need to do says each day proclaim the good news that Jesus saves. Listening for people sharing their emotions. Okay? Not just their actions, but their emotions. You know, if they're talking about being depressed or insecure or hurt or lonely, you need, and you know, you know, I can identify with all those. Before I was saved and after I was saved. You know what? And, you know, it would probably surprise people if you said you're a Christian and you had any of those emotions. Because we act like we're perfect. We act like we don't have any problems. And we act like if they were where we are, they would be fine. The furthest thing from the truth. The furthest thing from the truth. And you know, you've got to listen for the emotions that people are going through. What about uh, opportunities and current events? After 9-11, every church in America was almost packed. Months later, they were back just like they were. But that current event made people think about God. And that's when you need to be there to give the answer. 
It's not going to church. It's surrendering to Jesus. And you tell them how you surrendered to Jesus. It's called your testimony. You need to be ready to give it. You know, a lot of times, if there's a, a tragedy like 9-11 or school shootings, you know, stuff like that, you say, you know what? Boy, is the world just going crazy? I mean... Oh, the figures last night in 1962, the biggest problem in high school was chewing gum and missing the tra- the wastebasket. And now they're killing each other. And you know, you need to be asking questions. Do you have any idea why this is happening? Why would God let this happen? And you need to be thinking about questions you can ask that are not sharing the gospel, but you're trying to open the door to share the gospel. You see what I'm saying? So you've got uh, tragedies, national championships. Yeehaw! Well, you know, your, your team, the Cubs, or uh, who won the football this year? I don't, can't remember, but, but uh, you know, everybody loves a winner, and they want to talk about a winner, you know? And you know what? All, most all the teams now, you can find one or two Christian players that are pretty outspoken. You saw that, you know that... Uh, uh, Steve Barkowski, you know, that was who was the, it was uh, Peachtree Bart. And uh, he was the thing. And he got saved and the media cut him off and everybody cut him off. And nobody wanted to talk to Peachtree Bart anymore. And he played out his career, did a great job, retired. But you know what? You can use those different things that people like to talk about and push the conversation toward and move the conversation toward, you know, your testimony, the gospel, what's going on. You need to make leading statements, okay? When you're talking to somebody you know that you're trying to pick and find something that you have in common, an emotion you have in common, events you have in common, anything you come. And then when you comment on that, it needs to be kind of a leading question that will take you to the gospel. Uh, my, one of mine is, hey, uh, do you have a church home or are you a person of faith? That's not threatening. You know, it's not threatening. You know, are you, uh, do you have a church home or? Are you a person of faith? And they say, yeah. And I said, well, tell me about it. They say, no. I said, let me tell you. You see, you're leading, you're leading the conversation to where you want to go. And you know what? You, it's better if you let the Holy Spirit do that. But he'll tell you what to say, and you can say it. But, you know, you need to be, like I said, you need to be chewing that gum. And you need to be thinking about where you're going. And you just need to be working that thing and trusting Jesus. And then, and then if you'll be persistent, let me tell you something. He will open the doors. Uh, Dennis Nunn, that wrote this material and, and, and does these studies, and that's who I'm affiliated with. And uh, he went to the he lived over there, Stone Mountain, Georgia. And uh, well, well, let me talk. I'm supposed to talk about that later. Wait a minute. 
Okay, Let's, I will do that. But, you know, and, and here's and this thing about leading questions, okay? Remember when Jesus stopped at Jacob's well that day outside the city of Samaria? And he went there and the lady came to get water, okay? What did he ask her? She came to get water and he says, can I get some water? Okay, you see how those two tied together? He went right where she was to write what she's doing, and he interjected himself into her life. And she goes, what, what are you doing? Uh, what is a man like you talking to a Samaritan? Samaritans were hated. They were half Jew and half Greek, and the Greeks and the Jew both hated them so bad they had to go out and form their own town because they were so per persecuted. And he said, yeah, I need some water, but I've got some water to give you you don't know anything about. Leading her up to the gospel. And then he said, you know, and Jesus can do this part. I, I suggest you don't try to do it. But he told her all her sins. Married four times. Living with a guy that you're not married to. And your life is miserable. And then he told her about salvation. And she got saved. It went run into town and brought a whole passel of Samaritans out there to hear the gospel. That's what happens when you share the gospel. There's no telling what will happen when you share the gospel. There's, you know, there's different timings. If you're, if you're you know, like I said, you've got a very short period of time, you'll tell. But if you know somebody at work, if you know somebody at work or you know them at school, and you know that you talk to them every day, you know, you can really kind of gradually be, build up to that. You can take your time and massage their thinking and massage your thinking and get yourself ready and, you know, really pray about all that stuff. And if you're in a long-term relationship, you know, you can, you can take that time and work with very gently, very lovingly, but you, but you know what? But if you're just seeing somebody and you, you're in Walmart and you say, how you doing? They say, well, I'm doing terrible. I said, well, you know, uh, I'm doing fine. Can I tell you why? You know? And, you know, and so you've introduced the gospel. You tell it, and then you're done. So you've got different situations, different time frames, and you need to be ready for those. Uh, there's a couple of things that you can do uh, to uh, create opportunities. And like I said, this is, this is the donkey work I'm talking to you about tonight. This is the things you've got to do to set it up. But, you know, uh, one thing that's... that's uh, used a lot, and it's, it's very effective. It's not the only thing. It's one of the thousands of things that you can do to uh, work yourself into the gospel. But uh, when you pray for your food in a restaurant or at home, and you remember to pray for your food three times a day, not only when you go to the restaurant when people are looking, but three times a day, and you pray for your food if you are in a restaurant or if you are with a group or if you're in the school cafeteria or you're at the cafeteria at work, when you take your food, don't pull out your Subway sandwich and then dive in with both hands eating it. 
You know what you need? You need to put that food in front of you. You need to bow your head and close your eyes. And you need to pray to God and thank him for the food. And then you need to ask him to remind you three times a day, every day, I need to be sharing my testimony. And God, would you send somebody that I can testify to? And would you prepare the way? And you need to, you need to ask God three times a day to remind you to chew that gum. To remind you to think about sharing Jesus. Okay? And so you sit there that there's thanksgiving. And, and many, uh, you know, and there's always that big thing about, you know, the Jews didn't eat certain things because they were not told to eat certain things. And God says, listen, anything you can give thanks to God for, you eat. I, I, according to the Bible, I cannot eat Brussels sprouts. <laughs> because I can't give thanks for them. I don't want anything to do with them. Precious lady at church says, oh, you just haven't had them cooked right. I said, no, no, no. You hadn't put them in my mouth and seen me spit them out. I'm telling you, I don't like Brussels sprouts. And I can't honor God eating Brussels sprouts. But other than that, you can eat anything. But you need to be thankful for your food. And uh, you, need to, you need to, and that is not sharing your testimony. But it is a way to get in. Uh, a lot of times uh, that, uh, you know, if you're eating out, and I've eaten out with uh, two different groups from the church this week, and uh, they were marvelous, and we had a marvelous time, but I was going to try to uh, illustrate this to them while we are out to eat, but they jumped in and said the blessing before I could even think about it, and so I missed my chance. But if you are in a restaurant with somebody or by yourself, you're going to order your food, and then at some point the waitress is going to bring your food. When she brings the food, she sets it down. You say, I always give thanks for my food. And while I'm praying, is there anything I could pray for you, whether it be a family or illness or school, or work, you know, you, you put some of those in there, and you say, I'd just like to pray. Not, you're a sinner, and you're going to hell, and I want to pray for you. No. <laughs> you're saying, is there anything I can pray for you about? And about half the time, they're going to look at you like you are nuts. <laughs> no, I don't you praying for me. <laughs> and you know what? Expect it. You're going to get it. But you know what? A lot of people will say, yes, my mother's sick, and I need prayer. And then I've had waitresses a number of times just break down and cry beside my table and pour their heart out and say, dear God, you know, I've got to have help. And you got the answer. And the door is open for you to share. Dennis Nunn, I was telling you about the guy who wrote this material. He was eating by himself in a restaurant. He prayed uh, over his food. And a few minutes later, his waiter came over and slipped a piece of paper to him. And he said, that lady over there wants you to read it. And he opened it. And, he, uh, and it said, 
that, uh, what was it? Oh, there was a young lady that worked at that restaurant that had died. She's 35 years old, died about a week ago. And would you pray? She said, the staff here is just, you know, just devastated. And would you please pray for the staff? And so uh, he told the guy, yeah, I'll do that and tell her I'll pray for her and I'm praying for her and the staff and all that kind of thing. Well, then about five minutes later, the manager comes up to him and she says, I know you got the, let, the, the little note and I know you prayed for my friend, but see, you got to know there's a whole lot more going on here than that. She said, three weeks ago, one of our employees was in an accident and was killed. And four weeks ago, there was an employee here and he was in an accident and he's paralyzed from the neck down. And my people are just devastated. And he says, well, I'll pray for them. I'll pray for your staff. He says, now, do you go to church? She went, yeah. He said, where do you go? She says, I go to Grace Baptist. He said, well, I'm starting a revival there in the morning. Why don't you come tomorrow morning and uh, we'll talk about it. So the next morning, she, the manager, her husband, the girl that sent him the note, and 11 employees from that restaurant showed up at church. What started it? Lord, bless this food. That's all it takes. And you can do that, and, and it's not the only way to share. And some people say, well, when I do that, I'm done. No, let me tell you something. That's just one of a hundred ways that you can get things started. You know what? Uh, you pray for your server. Uh, a lot of times, if you're eating with people from work or people from school, and there's a lot of people there, and you don't know whether they're believers or not, you just say, I want to pray grace over my food, and would it be okay for me to just pray for everybody's food? Who's going to say no to that? Nobody. You've asked their permission to pray for their food. And you know what? They'll say, yeah. And so you know what? They will bow their heads, close their eyes, and listen while you pray to God. And you don't, you don't that's not where you share the gospel either, you know, but you say, Lord, thank you for this food. Thank you for this fellowship, and uh, we, we thank you in the name of Jesus. You say, why do you have to say Jesus? Because there's a lot of other things out there that people worship that's not Jesus. And you, know, you need to know who your contact is. Jesus. Okay? Um, pray for others at your table. Another thing you need to do is in this church, there needs to be a tract rack. You know about gospel tracts. They tell the story of the gospel. Uh, I think at the uh, uh, Life Source, Life Source, uh, which is the Southern Baptist uh, Library, there's 190 different tracts that they sell, Okay. Uh, I don't know if you can still buy the chick tracks. I talk about them. They're like cartoons, and they're pretty, you know, you kind of have to be an old hippie to get into that. But, but uh, the, you know, it, but, but the people get saved. And you know why they get saved by tracks? They get because the gospel is in the track. And see, you need a rack with about 
in the, up in the front or back in the back. But you need to know, you need to know that every person in this church, when they come on Sunday or Wednesday or Sunday night, they can go by that rack, they can grab a handful and stick in their pocket, and they'll have those tracks ready to hand out whenever the opportunity comes. In that track should be an invitation to the Wednesday night supper. Y'all remember that? Okay. That Wednesday night supper ought to be an evangelism event. And you got these tracts and you, and you read them and you learn them and you hear about their different illustrations. But then what you need to do is you need to pick out your favorite one. Uh, Billy Graham. Praise God for Billy Graham. He wrote, he wrote a tract called Steps to Peace with God. And it is marvelous. And you know what? You read that, you like that, you need to make that your track. Okay? You need to have a track in your pocket or your pocketbook at all times. Don't leave home with one track because you might give that away at eight and you've got to have more for the rest of the day. Have a stockpile of tracks. But you give out those tracks. You, you might hand it to them. You want to show them. Ask them if you can read it with them. If they don't do that, just give it to them. And I'll be honest with you, I've taken youth groups to the mall to give out tracts, and then the owners of the mall would have us stop giving them out, and you know why? They threw them on the floor, and they had to go around. I go to Central America, and I give out Spanish gospel tracts, and you hand somebody a tract, and they'll sit down right where they are and read it. But in America, you know, you need to make a presentation of that tract. And if they throw it away, they throw it away. But you know what? You've tried. And once you've tried, you've done your part. But, you know, in those tracts, like I said, you can read them. That one for uh, the Billy Graham tract, it's got the scriptures in there. And dear Lord, if anybody knows evangelism and how to see people saved, it's Billy Graham. And so you, we, you need to be making tracks available. Well, that's old-fashioned. No, it's a good method. And, you know, you need to be, you know, you've kind of got the shotgun approach, you know, where you're just passing them out. Uh, let me tell you a little secret. They make a track that looks like a $20 bill. And it's got the gospel inside. And you stick that, stick that under your little black thing that they get you to pay the bill, and your waitress thinks she's got a $20 tip. And she opens it up, and it's a gospel track. And you better be out of that building because she's going to start throwing stuff. I promise you. <laughs> Don't get those. Those will get you hurt, all right? But you need to leave a gospel track. Just leave it in your thing there, and you just, just, just leave it. Uh. Dennis tells a story about he was witnessing to this old uh, rough and tough police captain. Had about 700 men working under him. And he, he started uh, taking him out to lunch and building relationships. And, and uh, Dennis was keep on asking, well, what about you? And what about you? Finally, one day they were riding to the restaurant. And the guy said, hey, why don't you stop you know, asking me what about me? And you tell me about you. The gospel. And he shared the gospel and gave him a Billy Graham track. He said, I just want you to have this. 
And he went and put that on his little table beside his his, uh, recliner. And every night he would take that track and he would read it before he go to bed. And after about four days, he called Dennis and he said, I did it. He says, what'd you do? He says, I did it. What are you talking about? I gave my life to Christ. With a gospel track. We need, Paul says, use every means at your disposal to share the gospel. Every means. Everything. There you go. That's a shotgun to throw. That's right. So that, you know, there's all kinds of opportunities. Now, I got to get, I got to get finished. All right. We need to pray over our meals. Every meal. As a, wit- as a witness and as a reminder, okay? So, tonight, we've just got a couple. Would you just, tonight, commit? that you're going to pray over every bite of food you put in your mouth. Just say, hey, I'm going to use my thanksgiving to God as a tool to open the door for the gospel. And I'm going to do it, and I'm going to watch in anticipation of what you're going to do, dear God. Okay? And then you need to try, and I mean, I don't know if y'all got any tracks, but you need to get some right away. When you get some tracks, you need to give some away. And then, like every night, I tell you, you know what? At some point, you're going to have to do the deed and share your testimony, okay? Now, like I said, it's going to start with one or two. It's going to start with three or four. But I'm telling you, when you start coming to church and standing up like this young lady did and tell you what God's doing in your life and what he did in that person's life. And that person walks down here and gives the preacher and he says, I came, I gave my life to Jesus last week and I came to join the church. Joy unspeakable and full of glory. That's what it's all about. Guys, I'm, like I said, my commitment to you, there's follow. There's other things I could do. There's other studies I've done uh, on these same subjects. And guys, my commitment to you, like I said, is before, you know, till I die or Jesus comes, okay? So, uh, and pastor's excited. And uh, like I said, y'all are looking for a new pastor, but if you'll start witnessing, when he gets here, he won't have to get you fired up. He'll just have to find a place to hold on. (laughs) Amen? Wouldn't that be good? Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, I thank you for your word, and I thank you that it's true, and I thank you that it's not hard to understand. Father, you have called us to a lifestyle of witnessing. You've called us to a priority of witnessing. And Father, may we be about your business. Lord, taking baby steps at first, I know, but determined to take a little step every day, and that, you, that we would become the witnesses that would bring a sweet aroma to you.
And Lord, bring you honor and glory. We pray in the sweet name of Jesus. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. All right, now tomorrow night and the next night are going to be, they're not going to be quite so much teaching. Well, there's tomorrow night I'll be teaching. Then Thursday night I'll be preaching. But, uh, but look forward in there uh, of, of what's going to do. And these are two uh, messages the church needs to hear, okay? And uh, so it, please bring somebody with you. And, uh, you know, we'll see. Uh, we're in anticipation of what God's going to do, okay? Uh, you guys going to play anymore? What? Let them, let, let's, let's let them play one more song so we can worship before we go home and we can worship and open the way home, okay? <laughs>